Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast uh, here at the Baseball Life Facebook group. Special time today as Sean had a previous arrangement to make uh, to go through uh, today. But uh, we make adjustments just like, you know, it's like baseball, right? It's a game of adjustments. We adjust accordingly. Um, so we are at a, here at a special time in the middle of, uh, of, of NFL Sunday, but that's okay. I, I just, you know. You want some baseball talk? I know a lot. You know what it is, Sean? People were complaining that uh, it got a little bit feisty this past week uh, as the crossover political and baseball posts were uh, running rampant. The memes, I should say, the memes. The memes. So, hey, you want baseball talk? Here it is. Come join us and talk about some baseball with us today. Sean, tell the people how you're doing today. I am awesome. Like you said, meeting at a slightly later time, had a good friend from school get married, went out into the good old farmlands and there were cows mooing during the ceremony. So a good old Alabama wedding, uh, but it was lots of fun, you know, friends, family, fun. They all go together. Just like baseball. Baseball yeah. is fun. Beer. Kind beer. of. <laughs> beer, champagne, all of that. Yeah. Champagne when you're celebrating your, your, yeah. your divisional wins or uh, the your playoff series. Hey, thoughts on that. Do you like it when baseball players, uh, teams celebrate like each round that they win? The, the, I like the only time that they should celebrate with champagne is when they clinch a playoff spot. In if you win the playoffs, I feel like maybe winning the pennant, but like if you win the divisional round, like what are you celebrating? All you did was make it to the next round. Like, come on now. I, I always thought the divisional round celebration was weird. Championship series, I kind of get because you're winning a pennant. Yeah. But the division series never made sense to me. I kind of like it. I kind of <laughs> like it. It's very unique to the sport. I know, I, you know, when I was uh, adminning a, a, a hockey group back in the day, I know they hated it. They, why can't they be like hockey players and just celebrate with a Stanley Cup? Like, okay, guy, we don't have a Stanley Cup here in baseball, but whatever. And, you know, but it's um, they're right. They don't do that with the NFL. They don't do that with the NBA. But Major League Baseball playoffs, it just it's a it's a special time, and I think I, I think it's awesome. That's just my personal opinion. But that's why, yeah, because I'm talking about champagne, right? And you were probably drinking champagne. I know <laughs> I drank some champagne last night as I did celebrate uh, my fifth year at a wedding anniversary with the wife. Hey, um, congratulations. Champagne. It's a champagne kind of weekend. And, of course, the University of Illinois is down in Champaign, Illinois. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'd like to start the show off with uh, something we didn't get a chance to talk about when it happened last week. But uh, although I think uh, Alex Cora, is that official that he's now the manager of your Boston Red Sox? My Boston Red Sox, no. Well, the, the universal um, you, the universal you, sorry. I believe the announcement was supposed to be made or already has been made or will be made this upcoming week. Uh, it, it was kind of leaked before officially being named, but it's uh, all over. But the, uh, yeah, it's it's all over. He's He's back. He's back, suspended, suspension, and... And the fact that AJ Hinch got hired, as we touched upon it with our guest Trevor, who is a, a, a Tigers fan, and it just goes back to what what we were talking about way, way back when all this was coming down the, the hatchet with Major League Baseball and AJ Hinch and Alex Cora. A lot of the, I, I remember you and I talking about it, and we basically said they'll get they'll get rehired. Yeah, when, I, I yeah. believe the reason Cora was brought back by his team is. In my, this is, you know, could be cons labeled conspiracy. I thought he told them. I think he, I, he didn't tell them everything, but I am sure, especially the fact that they kind of instituted their own kind of uh, cheating issue in Boston. I think he told them, and I think he knew 
that that way, if it continued, would get caught on to. And that's why they kind of developed something else. I'm not sure how much he told them, but I'm pretty sure he told them something was hinky up in Houston. Uh, hinky Houston, I guess we'll have to call them that from now on. Uh, and I think and I think that's why Boston was so quick to bring him back. I, I believe there was some transparency there uh, dating back to when he first came back. Yeah, there, but I there might be some truth to that. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I think the the, the thing here is that it's about winning. Yeah, it's about winning. It's it's the, you play to win the game. Like Herman Edwards used to say, for as much as teams like all oh, the smart thing to do is to tank and not spend so much money. At the end of the day, it's about winning. Nobody wants to root for a loser forever. I'm a Cubs fan. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I guess we're the exemption, but uh, for I mean, because we pack the stadium every every year, or that's more touristy. That's a tourist destination, so that's part of it as well. But for everybody else, nobody wants to root for a loser. And Major League Baseball is so desperate for these teams, for these individual teams to feel the winner that they don't care what you did in the past. It's like the old Al Davis thing: just win, baby. <laughs> That's all it is. So, and it goes back to what, what I complained about earlier uh, last month about the moral high ground that many people are taking with this. Guess what? Major League Baseball heard your moral high ground and they told you to shove it because they <laughs> went and I mean, seriously, they went in and hired the two guys who were uh, blamed the scapegoat. Like I told yeah, you before, the people that were named, the which, which is also which is also something we I want to get back to. But continue. Well, I was going to say the scapegoats got the blame and now they're back. Hinch is back with the Tigers. He's not with the Astros anymore, but he, he went to the Tigers and Cora is back with the Red Sox with, you know, the suspension. Yeah. He, they were just waiting for him to come back, serve his time, serve his punishment. They obviously like him enough, you know, to hire him the first time around and they won a championship with them. And now he's back. And, yeah. and the last thing I want to do, I mean, I want to say about that is that, you know, the only reason that, Hinch didn't get rehired by the Astros is because, you know, what's that word they go, they always use in college football, institutional uh, lack of control or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they also brought in Dusty Baker, who just, I mean, you saw those players and how pissed off a lot of Major League Baseball fans were at Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve because there was no sorrow. Alex Bregman, no sorrow, just, uh, what do you call it, uh, just doubling down that they didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess where that comes from? That's Dusty Baker, man. That is Dusty Baker 101. The Astros didn't get Dusty Baker because he's a veteran manager and because uh, he would be the veteran manager that would get them through this murky road that they're in. They got Dusty Baker because he's notorious for being a yes man to the players. He will tell the players whatever they want to hear. And we talked about it last uh, in the playoffs, Sean. At the end of the day, they made it farther than all these other supposed clean teams, including the Yankees who are, you know, whether you want to admit, or whether we want to believe that there are rumors that are spreading about them as well. But Astros were back in the ALCS, uh, and for all the reasons that we talked about on this show over and over again. And that's it. That's my little rant. It's it's about winning by any means necessary. And and like I told people way back in the winter, you will see that this will be looked upon as some sort of mockery in the future. And in the future, I it's going to be like the NFL, Sean. It's going to be like there's going to be an intelligence team doing live games, trying to look at signals and trying to, you know, one up people uh, schematically. And it's going to be sponsored by Microsoft because, you know, you can't have all this technology without a sponsor. And 
that's going to be the future of baseball. By the way, your your uh, as the kids would say, your eyebrows are on fleek, man. I just no. there's something about you I can't. I, I feel I, like I, they got. I feel like one got singed off, and like we were standing by a fire. I don't know. They just look very thin right now. So maybe I'm they like, got burned yeah. off at the in a, around the bonfire. I don't know. I'm looking at you. I'm like, what is? There's something different about this guy. You're clean shaven. I got me a wedding. Yeah. You did your eyebrows too. Meanwhile, you got me who looks like Grizzly Adams. <laughs> So, uh, you were gonna say something. Go ahead, Sean. You were gonna say something. I, I was mainly going to say that with um the third there like you mentioned the scapegoats. There's a third person, the third and final person who was named in the Manfred report, yep. who was hired to be a manager and is now not a manager and probably won't be a manager this year. And that's Carlos Beltran. And what does the future hold for him? That is a very interesting thing that the other two that who at the time were coaches, not players. Beltron was a player and he was the only one named in said report. And at the time he was slated to become the Mets manager. And unlike the other two who were proven, they had won championships with their clubs. I'm not sure if Beltron's going to get a chance anytime soon. I think he was someone, and it was a reason why he was kind of involved and named in the Manfred report. He was respected and revered by just about every player in the league, especially some of his players, uh, you know, from Latin America, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic. I mean, these guys looked up to him as like the boss, the Don. He was the Don and that nobody was going to question him. If Carlos Beltran's cheating, I I guess that's what I got to do to stay in the game. And I think his denials, he was asked multiple times at the winter meetings uh, once the athletic broke the story and he, he said, I, I, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm going to have to actually read it and look at it. And it was just denial after denial. And I think that loses him a lot of credibility yep. with the players. And that goes back to Alex Cora. Alex Cora, I'm sure, has lost credibility. But if he was transparent with the Red Sox and some and their players the first time around, then they weren't shocked by the news. And he didn't try to lie and say, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. They, they must just be making it up. So I think there is – slightly different circumstances for Beltron. And that's not just, you know, he was a player and they were coaches, but the fact he was such a revered figure and then tried to cover his own self in the aftermath of everything. And I just want to piggyback and then then we'll move on to the next subject. Uh, A couple of things that you mentioned about Alex Cora being uh, transparent, but you know, wasn't he also accused of the same thing in 2018 when they won a world series championship? Yeah, that, 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 that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that. And, and, that, and that's, what, that's, that's why they probably did something to that effect. Yeah, so, all right, all right. You know, you got us a championship. Uh, now try to do it clean, and we can get on our, on our own redemption tour, just like we got on our, our redemption yeah. tour. By the way, we went undefeated on a redemption tour. No, But, you know, everybody was there when we were wrong, but, you know, not, nobody's talking when we're all 100% right. Like, literally 100% right in our redemption brackets. So yeah, stick around, kids. You might learn something. <laughs> uh, and then the second thing I wanted to mention was that, that, you, that you talked about right now uh, was the um, Carlos Beltran, right? Yeah. Oh well, if he's doing it, I, I got to find a way to stick around. If if that's the way to do it, then it's a tale as old as time, right? What did we say last month when this was all going down? This is a I said this was a game of cheaters. The history of the game itself is cheating. And the only people that get ostracized are the ones who get caught. Yep. It, I mean, this is the same nonsense we heard back in the 90s. Oh, well, everybody was injecting themselves with PEDs and steroids. So that must be the way to do it. So, you know, it, monkey see, monkey do kind of effect here, isn't it? 
Yes, so, for sure. All right. All right. Let's move on. We're, we're, we wanted to manager ran up. over. <laughs> manager ran over. Yeah. We uh, are here to give out some awards. Not that they have any uh, bearing to anybody, but it, you know, we have a podcast. We might as well give out some total basis podcast awards. You know what? Shame on us. We didn't come up with a name. I was thinking yeah. like the golden base, but then I think about base and I think about drugs. So maybe not. <laughs> we don't want to be free basing off of golden bases. Yeah, exactly. That's you're getting it. You're getting it. You know? <laughs> but uh, you let me know if you can see my screen or not, but I do, you know, as always spreadsheets galore around this show, because uh, that's how I manage. That's how I work. And uh, we're going to, we're going to go through the rent gamut, man. We got a bunch of spreadsheets that we got to show off today. And uh, what better way to do it than here? um it's not showing up on my on my little nope. phone here it, it is up now it is up now yes. okay so I'm, i might be really delayed but anyway we're gonna start out with the best overall fielders right so what i did was i went into the fangraphs page and just did um defensive run saved and and uh, ultimate zone rating yes. ranked them one through ten you know if you're in first place you got 10 points if you're in second place you get nine points so on and so forth if you're 10th place you get one point so ultimately there's no doubt. Nolan Arenado, best fielder, according to these metrics, because I know you, you're probably going to tell me something else. That's He's the best, uh, not just the best third baseman, but also the best uh, fielding uh, defensive player in the game in the year 2020. Yeah. Uh, getting first in both DRS and UZR rankings. Uh, and again, these are the fan grabs. Uh, this is what they use in fan grabs to uh, measure uh, a player's defensive prowess here. And uh, Arenado, once again, reigns supreme. And you got three outfielders that follow up, but that's not important. It's mostly outfielders because they cover the most ground, right? They uh, they are probably the most plays go to them um, in terms of uh, the measurements of these uh, of these uh, advanced metrics. So gold gloves, I got gold gloves. I figured I might as well do it. I got Tucker Barnhart at my catching position. Get You get yourself a gold glove from me. Jose Abreu, uh, just etched out uh, Evan White for that award at the first base position. Cesar Hernandez at second base, Dansby Swanson at short, Nolan Arenado at third base, Joey Gallo, Kevin Kiermaier, and Mookie Betts are my outfield. For the infields, I did something completely different. I don't want to get too deep into it, but uh, these are, uh, well, that's my, oh yeah, I wanted to talk about this as well, but we'll get to it in a bit. But here on this other sheet is my defensive infielder range. And I did it just by range, Sean. Yes. So the DRS range, and the UZR range, each one of those had their own way to measure range. And ultimately, again, Aeronauta number one. And there's my second baseman, my shortstop, Dansby Swanson, and Jose Abreu at my first base. That This is a, 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 a total basis podcast host uh, uh, selection right there. You know, <laughs> So I went that route. And a defensive outfielder, I just wanted to point out that before the White Sox fans get after me, yes, Luis Robert showed – with both the UZR and DRS uh, metrics for range showed that he had the best range of all the outfielders out there in 2020. Like we always joke around here, Sean, it's, you know, he better have because he's not only manning center field, but he's manning left field yeah. and right field. <laughs> and lastly, before I turn it over to you, cause I think you got something for me. That's the best arm again, defensive run saves and ultimate zone rating. They have their own way to measure like arm, arm strength, not arm strength, uh, arm uh, how good efficiency efficiency uh, yeah kind of efficiency and surprisingly kevin kiermeyer uh who is known more for his range than anything ranks really high in terms of 
his arm. Yeah, Kiermaier has, ever since he was initially called up, I remember his initial call-up was very much like Juan Lagares. I, I don't think people really knew who Kevin Kiermaier was, just like they didn't know who Juan Lagares was. And yep. they decided, hey, he's this new minor guy, fresh out of the minor leagues, green and wet behind the ears. Let's run on him. And mm-hmm. Kevin Kiermaier, since he stepped into the league day one, has been gunning guys down. And it's technically why he has the nickname Outlaws, you know, because he's got a gun for an arm. And, um, yeah, he he's great. He's always going to be great. The f- fact I don't think he won the gold glove this year is uh, kind of sad, but, you know, hey, I've, we... gold glove to me has always been more of a uh, – what, what do we call it? A popularity, popularity contest and highlight reel – a contest than an actual fielding contest. I mean, shoot, at one point they, they, they were giving away gold gloves back to Rafael Palmero. Rafael Palmero, what a gold when in, glove. One <laughs> in doubt, give it to the guy with the big offensive numbers. Just, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I don't, I honestly don't know who won the actual gold gloves. I just know that this would be my selection right here on this uh, table. Uh, so who do you have as your, do you have a list for me for gold glove? I don't have a list. Uh, per se. Uh, I do think they got some right, some wrong, um, as they always do. I think there are some interesting gold glove competitions to look forward to in the future. And the two guys that come up top at first base for me, that's kind of the ones that is going to be fun to watch going forward. And that's Matt Olson and Evan White. Evan White plays one of the most aggressive athletic first base or defensive first base I've seen in a long time. And I, I really wish... Uh, the Mariners could play the Mets this year because I, I would love to hear what Keith Hernandez would say about uh, Evan White's defense. I mean, he's a young, fast, athletic guy. He plays in. He has a good arm. And it's just a weird combination that we haven't seen at first base in a long time, especially in this day and age of where, you know, teams are trying to fit bats in wherever they can. And it's usually at first base or someplace like left field. Um but seeing someone like Evan White is a breath of, a breath of fresh air. And then Matt Olson, of course, won the gold glove, uh, I believe, last year and is set to be gold glove caliber there. And he also ranked as number one in outs above average, which is the metric I'm going to use to kind of put as a barometer against some of Felipe's picks. Uh, Matt Olson ranked number one again. He was three outs above average at first place, which led all first basemen in Major League Baseball. Anybody else you got for me there, Sean? Uh, uh, not really, per se. Like you said, uh, Cody Bellinger and Luis Robert graded out as the best outfielders. Bellinger actually had the highest outs above combined outs above average. Uh, he was at plus seven, which was the same as um, Jackie, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Luis Robert. But I guess he also got an extra out above average in right field. So he eked out everyone as the best defender in baseball, according to StatCast's outs above average, which, of course, utilizes all the, the wonderful StatCast tracking. You know, it actually takes into account every single play, where the player started, where the player ended, where the ball started, and where the ball ended. And it takes every play as its own, you know, in a vacuum. And unlike, you know, kind of DRS and UZR, which are great tools, but I believe DRS and UZR sometimes have a hard time differentiating um, how someone, not all balls are the same, even if they end up in the same spot. And I think that's something that is harder for DRS and UZR to take into account. And OAA does a very good job of doing that. 
I'm kind of curious. Like, are you able to do like by position right now, really quick yes. on your end, so I can type it up here uh, as your uh... yeah. Yes, first base was Matt Olson. Yeah. Second base was Nicky Lopez and Adam Frazier, tied at second with plus six. Uh, okay. Colton Wong, who actually won the Gold Glove, finished at only plus two, but he was one of the tops last year, so could have just been a short sample size. Nolan Arenado, of course, is going to lead all third basemen. Uh, and tied for second overall among all players and outs above average at plus seven. I think I said that as again. Uh, shortstop, who was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball, according to outs above average, in 2019, Fernando Tatis Jr. Wow. And this is a great evolution for him. He has all of the tools, as we've seen. He's fast. He's athletic. He's got an absolute rocket for an arm. But what he dealt with a lot of last year was these wild throws. And those errors are going to kill you and outs above average. If you're just trying to make plays, he, he, it comes with maturity. You got to learn to pocket the ball sometimes. You have a great arm. You don't always have to use it. And in the outfield, I did actually by left field, center field, right field. Oh. Uh, I had O'Neal in left, Luis Robert in center and Mookie Betts and right. Luis Robert, uh, JBJ, and Bellinger all were plus seven in center field, so they're kind of in a three-way tie. Tyler O'Neill was tied with Robbie Grossman at plus four, and Mookie Betts was all on his lonesome at plus six in right field. Of course, we saw that in the playoffs. I mean, you don't need me to sit here and tell you what their outs above average was. I mean, a lot of these guys you actually see. Granted, you look at second base and you highlight the names of like Nicky Lopez and Adam Frazier, two guys who I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this don't even know who Nicky Lopez is. And he is a great defensive second baseman. And I actually like his potential offensively. Uh, it hasn't translated yet at the major league level, but fast gets on base and yeah. plays for the Royals. So that's a combination that is just made in heaven. But um, it, it's, I think, uh, catcher, there is no OA or outs above average for catcher, which leads me to this is you ha, have you pulled up your best catchers yet? Oh, yeah, we can go there right now. Okay. Uh, because um, wait, defensive or just hitters? Uh, defensive. Okay, here we go. And just the preface is really Sean. I, I, I got lazy and I only did the defensive run save because it, I forgot that there's a new frame stat that Fangraphs has yes. now and I didn't bother. But I just say, well, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go with DRS because that's the one that measures these guys. But go ahead. And obviously, you have a lot of guys up there who are known for being great defensive catchers. Uh, James McCann probably sticks out. He's all In DRS, he's always been better, but he's been statistically a very poor framer, but had his first above-average year framing. Uh, but everybody else on that list has kind of been known for a good glove, except number 12. Omar Narvaez, who was always bat first, and they weren't even sure if he was going to be able to stick at catcher, and they knew he doesn't, didn't have enough power to hit as a DH. Well, right. what does he do over the last two seasons, not counting 2020, so 18 and 19, he was worth minus 20 runs extra strikes, which is StatCast's framing metric, one of the worst in baseball over the time period. <laughs> and then what does he do in 2020? He goes and he leads the god darn league in framing and runs extra strikes at plus five. So it could be a small sample size. Who knows? It could have been a lot of those umpire crews stayed the same, and maybe he just got lucky with who was behind the plate. I don't know. 
but the transformation of Omar Nervais from being one of the worst defensive framers and just catchers overall to being one of the best is, I think, a story that nobody else is going to talk about. But it's a very important one because if he improves defensively and stays in the lineup consistently in a lineup that features Christian Yelich and uh, Keston Hira, that, that's a good bat to have in fantasy. So I, I, I think Omar Narvaez is a really interesting pick for someone who wasn't seen outside of the framing UF pop time, which was led by JT Real Muto, which is a yeah. obvious pick. But as I was talking to Felipe before the show, JT Real Muto has always been one of the best defensive catchers in baseball since he played catcher. And you know, for the people that don't know, he was a converted uh, infielder, second baseman and shortstop mainly. And he's always consistently posted great pop times, a great framer. Uh, this year, it was all the same. He was uh, The framing kind of went down a little bit, but I'm not going to throw it out with you know small sample sizes. His uh, pop time, which is the amount of time it takes for you to get up, ball, leaves hand. That, that's from the time you catch it to the time you release. And he's consistently been in the 1.8 second range, which is just insanely good. And he kept that this year, but then also posted the worst caught stealing percentage of his entire career since becoming a full-time catcher, which is a little interesting to look at as a development. Is it because they're just running on the pitcher more often, or is it something they see in JT Real Muto? Is the arm strength still there? Uh, it did go down a little bit. It's a should be interesting to develop, to watch develop as someone who's been, you know, consistently regarded as one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. All right. So moving on, let's uh, talk some base running. I know that base running is something that people still are enamored with, you know, as people think that's 1920 and not 2020, but <laughs> here it is. Uh, obviously, Adalberto Mondesi got the most stolen bases in the league. Uh, so if you, I don't know, if you got Mondesi, you probably – in fantasy baseball, you probably are happy as hell that he was able to uh, get all those stolen bases for you. And it's like by a big landslide, too. I think he had eight more stolen bases than, this, than the second-place guy in Jonathan Villar. And, and I wish I could credit this to where I found it on Twitter. I'm sure I'll see it in a couple of days. But in the amount of opportunities to steal bases that Alberto Mondesi actually attempted to steal or stole the base, he was at like 30%. 30% of his opportunities he's, he ran. The next closest person was like 17%, so almost double. So if you are in a categories or standard Roto League, I know I just – I'm in three drafts currently. If you, I'm insane, I know. But I just picked in a 12-team dynasty, I picked Adalberto Mondesi. It's a categories league, so I need those stolen bases. I picked him at like 47th overall. Wow. I, I I sold out. I'm, I'm selling out. I will. I'm on this train for forever. There's no getting off of it now. Wow. Yeah. Because they were talking about then the rates, uh, rates and barrels podcast. Eno Saris was, and uh, the other guy, uh, James. Derek Van, Van Ripper. Derek Van Ripper. <laughs> James Vanderbeek of poor <laughs> RVD, right? That's his, that's his acronym. RVD. Yes. Uh, DVR. DVR. Oh, DVR. Sorry. RVD is the wrestler. Sorry. RVD. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm still doing it. DVR crossover, oh crossover. We got oh a wrestling god. group crossover. There we go. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, they were talking about how they're very hesitant to pick up uh, Adalberto Mondesi for next year, even though the stolen bases are kind of scarce, and that there's really no one to 
fall back on like in years past in the middle of the rounds, they're still kind of icky about him because he strikes out too much and doesn't make this much contact. And here, here's Sean over here telling me that he's going to go all in on Mondesi, which is it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of funny. The, uh, I mean, the dynamic, the difference. Uh, might dynamic Mondesi there. might be one of the most Jekyll and Hyde players I've ever seen, but for the last two seasons, he has ended up right around the same area. Um, he posted a 715 OPS in 2019 and 710 this year. Granted, he had he was on fire in the second half. So imagine how bad he was doing to be on fire for the last three, four weeks, three weeks, and still end up with only a 710 OPS. Like I said, there are, or like you said, there are huge strikeout issues with him. Absolutely massive. But I think he's still only 25. He's been in the league for, you know, four, four full years, three full years, three or four, something like that. But he just steals bases like nobody else can. And in a categories league, that type of skill is ever useful. And he did show this year, he had the highest average exit velocity that he's ever had. So there's starting to be more consistently hard contact. Maybe he would do better getting it on the ground a bit more, but I'm sold on the speed, especially in categories leagues. In a points league, I I, I fade him very hard, uh, but in real life, that he has a skill set that I simply think nobody else has. And then I got another category called the three by five heroes. No, not they're not index cards. They're literally just where did these guys ranked overall? And by the way, it's what's the minimum here? The minimum I put down was uh, but two. Shoot, I thought I wrote it down. I thought it was a two one two hundred. Plate appearances? Okay. No, that doesn't sound right. Shit. I, oh, I, I didn't write it down, but uh, <laughs> I know it's like some weird number. Like 150 yeah, maybe? I, I don't know. That sounds more more right, and I can't believe I didn't write it down. Oh, oh, it's right here. 120. 120, 120 close. Okay. So 120 plate appearances, you have to qualify, and this is literally – like my thing is, if I'm going to get a guy who steals bases, he better also do other things for me as well. And as you can see, number one, uh, at the very least, give me three categories, stolen bases, average, and run scored, right? Because if you're just going to steal bases, then you're just sucking up my roster spot. And Trey Turner ended up being the number one three-by-five hero because he could not only steal bases, but he could hit for a high average and be counted upon to score runs from anywhere, right? And yes. obviously, it's, it's the who's who of, of good hitters, right? Mookie Betts, Trevor Story, Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis with Mirafield. And then there's Adalberto Mondesi, who – did not contribute in the top 10 on an average or run scored. Same He's got a terrible, terrible offense, terrible offense. Yeah. <laughs> Raimel Tapia as well. Although he only got in because of the batting average, but. So anyway. did Byron Buxton not have enough plate appearances for this list? I, I would have expected his name here. I guess not. I, I, I guess mean. not. I, uh, he had 135 plate appearances. Uh, he only stole two bases. But uh, still uh, a guy who's in the 99th percentile in sprint speed uh, is still a speed demon. Had the fourth highest uh, sprint speed in all of baseball. And you would be shocked uh, that the top three in sprint speed are not on your list at all. (laughs) Of course not. And they are in, this is according to, you know, StatCast and... Felipe's kind of doing the, the Fangraphs Awards. I'm doing StatCast Awards if you can't catch the theme here. Uh, the top three in sprint speed are guys that, once again, you've probably never heard of, aren't full-time players, but are interesting to at least keep tabs on in case of an injury. Uh, Tim LaCastro, uh, the human ball magnet, that's been his skill basically throughout. I mean, if you can't hit and you're kind of an okay fielder everywhere, 
and you have are one of the fastest guys in baseball and you get hit by a lot of pitches, guess what? You're going to be a, have a high OBP. He, he does walk <laughs> a good bit. And if you have a high OBP and the fastest sprint speed in all of baseball, that's a really good uh, a pairing for a lot of stolen bases. Right now, he's more of a utility player for Arizona, but somebody to keep an eye on. Roman Quinn filled in in center field multiple times this year due to injuries. He had the second fastest sprint speed. And then Adam Engel of Felipe's own White Sox posted the yeah. third highest sprint speed, faster than guys like Byron Buxton, Trey Turner, and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Alberto Mondesi. Uh, once again, these guys aren't, you know, your run-of-the-mill star players, but they're people to target for stolen bases in deeper leagues or daily all, leagues. All, all I hear are they're scrubs, man. They, they scrubs. <laughs> they're just fast. They're, they're dedicated. They're the designated runner. The designated runner. I know. I, I, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of questioning myself. Uh, misspelling Tim Lacastro. See, is I spell L E C A S T R O L O, and there's no. It's not French. There like you go. And Roman Quinn, who uh, I remember him. Show, he, he he showed up a lot in the uh, in our leagues. Uh, yes. In a league. Once a, he a once he started playing more often, he was. I mean, he was basically starting every day for them for a couple of weeks and. Wasn't terrible if I remember correctly. He Which... was always available on waivers, man. And we <laughs> ran deep. We ran deep. So that tells you all you need to know about Roman Quinn. But uh, I'm sure someone eventually picked him up and took advantage of the stolen bases and Adam Engel. Yes, he, he did have 12 stolen bases, which in a shortened season was relevant. He was a terrible hitter. He had a 576 OPS, but 12 stolen bases is relevant in fantasy over, you I... know, 40, 50 games. Can't do it, man. I can't do it. I, <laughs> I'd rather die than. That's another. I'd ra- I would rather die and lose uh, because of stolen bases than roster Roman Quinn. That's going to be the t- uh, the quote of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do it. This is why I don't do uh, five by five uh, exclusively over here. Uh, speaking of, we you know we do have a baseball league, uh, uh, the baseball life fantasy baseball league, and we don't use stolen bases. We use stolen bases, stolen bases net, which is. Uh, Stolen base minus caught stealing. And it didn't matter. Adalberto Mondesi was number one in the hood. Uh, it didn't matter how many times he got caught. He just kept stealing it. Like, you, for all the reasons you mentioned. <laughs> Look at number three. I'm sorry. I, I had oh, something. I oh, had so something. Actually tied for second, too. Yeah. He's not yeah. even third. He's tied for second. <laughs> yeah. well, well, it's I like mean, golf. Travis, well, Trevor's story is a little bit more productive. So anyway, yeah. let's, let's Just, just a little bit. You, you, what, you're not going to pick Roman Quinn, top ten pick? Oh, man. I need those stolen bases now. <laughs> God damn it. Please. Who cares oh, about stories, home runs? Yeah, he plays for the Rockies and all yeah. that. So, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Mondesi, number one, uh, he can get caught a million times. He's still going to steal bases because the Royals are going to Royal. Um, power and speed. This was basically home runs and stolen bases. Again, this is the fantasy aspect. Like, fine, you know, you maybe you won't do the, the runs and the average or whatever. Okay, can you at least provide me some power and speed? And yes, Fernando Tatis Jr., number one. Uh, with the stolen bases uh, ranked high as well as the home runs, uh, number one in, on this list in home runs. There was a minimum of like maybe seven stolen bases to qualify for this list, by the way. And uh, Tatis, Trevor Story, the usual suspects, right? Trevor Story, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, and there's Alberto Mondesi, who's just there because he just steals so many freaking bases. <laughs> and the last category we have here is what I like to call the speed demons. I'm, you notice that I added triple here because you know who uses triple uh, as one of their categories? Us. We do. <laughs> we do. So this is runs plus stolen bases plus triples. Uh, and this is, again, the rankings. Where they rank, you know, again, you get in first, you get 10 points. You get second, you get nine points. Trey Turner was probably the most valuable player in terms of speed. And, and again, 
in terms of production speed, not not the sprint speed that or the measurements, the actual calculations that they do with the uh, with the tracking devices. And but Trey Turner was able to provide you uh, what was it? Uh, can score runs, can steal bases, and can get to third base uh, when he hits the ball in the gap. And again, usual suspects, Trevor Story and Adalberto Mondesi. I mean, he's just naturally fast, but uh, he's also, it just it just makes me angry that he's so high up there. But it is a base running uh, spreadsheet that I'm using here. And there's your guy, Trent Grisham. I remember you were telling me about him in, uh, during yeah, our- Yeah, I, I, I love me some Trent Grisham. And anything else you want to add for the base running before we, we move on to the- For base running, I also thought it would be fun just to examine uh, some of the slowest- guys oh, in baseball uh do you want to take any guesses as to the top three? Oh my lord um is jose abreu he looks really slow <laughs> <laughs> no he's 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 spry he was a uh, uh he was in the bottom half obviously but uh he was not even close to the top three uh, uh daniel vogelbach he has to be slow as hell no right? he's um, got he's got vogel speed uh the three slowest would be albert pujols justin smoke in Yadier Molina, uh, <laughs> seven of the top 10 were catchers. If that tells you anything you need to know about being a catcher is it instantly makes you slower, obviously, with seven of the 10 uh, being catchers. I thought a interesting one, uh, you know, Yadier Molina has been catching for ages and is at now the third slowest. And he's, you know, always been known of a, a guy who kind of takes it easy if he knows it's an automatic out. And Robinson Cano has also been the same way. These guys know their bodies better than any fan will. And the Mets fans absolutely hate Robinson Cano because he does not hustle to first. And now with the Mets in need of a catcher, you know what all those same Mets fans are doing? Get Yadier Molina! Like, come on now. Come on. Wait, Seriously. Putting a catcher at the bottom of the list is too easy for you, Sean. Give me a non-catcher to replace. Uh, yeah. The closest was uh, M- Miggy Cabrera was fourth. There you go. Well, yeah, you know those were the o- those were the only three in the top ten that were not catchers. You know what? Now looking at this list, it might be too easy to go after first baseman. You know what? Let's do middle infielders. That would be a better. Can you do that on your end or no? <laughs> yes, right here. Uh, infielders. You know, uh, you know, uh, middle infielders and center fielders. Uh, so up the, the middle. So the slowest center field. Oh goodness gracious! Um, the slowest. Oh wow. This is going to shock some people, and this is why I'm glad I, the Mets avoided him. The slowest center fielder, according to sprint speed, was Lorenzo Cain, 34 yeah, years up. old, and those get, yeah. the legs are already shot. He's tied with Ender Inciarte, who is a 30-year-old. Albert Almora, Almora was third. And then in middle infield, uh, let's go to just shortstop. Let's see if we can find ourselves a Johnny Peralta-level speed guy here. <laughs> Brendan Crawford. Uh, Brendan Crawford, 25.7. Look at him go. Look at Felipe go. Andrelton Simmons came in third on that list, wow. 26.1 feet per second. And second base is going to have to be Robinson Cano. Yeah, I was already Yeah, yeah it, it's Robinson Cano, Neil Walker, and Mike Moustakis, and Luis Guillorme. So three of the top four are Mets, are former Mets. See, you know, that, that, we, love, we love our slow-footed second baseman. This makes me happy because it's easy to pick on catchers and first basemen, but what about guys who are supposed to be fast? And you know what? I'm not satisfied. I'm not going to ask you to keep looking, but I am not satisfied because now we're going after old people. <laughs> now we're going <laughs> after old people. You know what I want to see, Sean? I want to see the guys who are so, like, they're young and they're supposed to be spry. 
and yet oh. there's still less molasses. I got one for you, and this is gonna oh. hurt. This is gonna hurt Vince's feelings. But 24 year old utility infielder for the New York Yankees, one of um, Vince's favorite guys, Tyro Estrada or Tyro Estrada. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I'm not even bothered. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna hurt Vince's feelings if he watches the show. I'm sorry, but he is the slowest 24 year old in baseball, probably. Wow. A totally not a scientific study, so don't quote me. <laughs> All right. So that, that was very interesting. But yeah, we figure, you know, I, base running doesn't get a lot of love. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's a very uh, polarizing subject matter because, you know, if you try to put it on equal edge with like power hitters, people get mad. But if you don't <laughs> acknowledge that the importance of speed, people get mad. So. <laughs> Hopefully people find a happy balance here. Uh, give a quick shout out to, uh, while I zoom in on this one, Melvin, uh, who has his own uh, oh. Facebook page uh, and he'll be uh, updating us with the winter leagues, right? Uh, Dominican, Mexican, uh, Venezuela. I think Venezuela still has a league. I don't know with the turmoil that's going on down there, but he's going to update us every once in a while uh, to tell us how things are going. In the Caribbean and in yes. South America. Uh, Melvin commented, Alejandro Kirk, who has been, you know, was this year's Williams Astadio. He's probably the second shortest player in all of baseball, and he is quite portly. Uh, Melvin, if you're still listening, I have something to tell you. Alejandro Kirk once stole home in a minor league game. <laughs> it was off a delayed double steal, but he stole home. And I remember I, I was coming across it on Twitter, and it was just somebody had screenshotted the uh, play log from the game and it said Alejandro Kirk steals home <laughs> and it was like th there's a glitch in the matrix somewhere but uh <laughs> yes for even a portly guy he stole home and I think he actually chipped in a couple of other stolen bases around in the minors and he's happy with that response he's shouting Alejandro Kirk's name for some reason and for those wondering are listening on a Monday or a Tuesday or watching us on YouTube where are these comments coming from well, they're coming from the best baseball group on Facebook, goddammit. It's the Baseball Live Facebook group. Come join us. We're about close to 6,000 members now, Sean. Remember yeah, we're, 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 we're getting there. Uh, we're, we're getting, getting there. Yeah, we're getting up there in members, uh, assuming that they don't all leave because of the political stuff that we post every once in a while. But no, so to Alejandro Kirk in the last two seasons, he stole two stolen bases in 2018 and three in 2019. So take that, Sprint Speed. Wow, and ath athletic figures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We got a we got Bears fan Ricky also, who's uh, pretty pissed off at the Bears. I don't blame you. I, I'm pretty mad at them too. Bad game today. Awful. Just awful. Uh, and yeah, he wanted to look at the slowest infielders and center fielders as well. So I didn't even see the comment until now. So I hope we uh, satisfied his thirst for knowledge there. Let's look at the best hitters. And again, uh, all advanced stats. I don't use home runs. I don't use that batting average or slugging average. Or, you know, I, I like the fan graph stats first, you know. And at first, I only went with uh, WOBA, which is the weighted on-base average and the weighted runs created plus. This is, these are supposed to be statistics that are, are all-encompassing, right? They take everything a hitter has done productively and put it into, in terms of the WOBA, into a batting average figure. And in terms of WRC plus, well, if you're above 100, that means you're that much better than every major league baseball hitter uh, in the league. So, so, so 105 would be 5% better than the league average player. Right. And these are rate stats. And be, when I was doing this, as you can see, Juan Soto was number one. All right. Well, Juan Soto is my MVP, right? 
But I'm like, nah, that he missed a lot of time, though. So I started figuring out what I need is some counting stats. And this is where offensive runs above average, which is the metric used to compile the offensive number in Fangraphs' war, wins above replacement. So this is a more accumulating stat. So it, 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 I figured we need to reward guys who made it past this wacky season and was able to produce uh, all year long and not just for a, a, a short stretch. I mean, yeah. Juan Soto has a 200 WRC plus. What is that, 100% better than everybody in the league? He, Juan Soto, no matter where you look, uh, if you go to StatCast, he was first in expected slugging. He was first in WOBA. Uh, he was first in expected WOBA. He was first in he was first in basically everything. I, I would be here all day if I listed every first that he was leading. Uh, yep. And honestly, I think he was the league's best hitter. Uh, you do have WRC not plus, just WRC, which is a counting stat, which is why it shows Freeman being slightly better than Juan Soto as WRC takes into account uh, basically all of the cumulative stats. And so the more plate appearances you have, the higher your WRC is going to be, while WRC plus is simply a rate stack that accounts for uh, ballpark factors and league average. And the only reason I wanted to put some uh, accumulating stats was because I had Juan Soto. Or, my or, speak, or else Juan Soto would just be number one everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And, and not just that, but I don't remember Juan Soto uh, when we were evaluating my, my fantasy team in our league. I don't remember Juan Soto being ranked very highly. Dominic Smith ended up being my... 2020 best hitter on my team and then i remember oh yeah well juan soto missed a lot of time yeah he missed like two and a half weeks at the beginning yeah i mean that's a big difference so that's when i decided let's put in some counting stats and rank them all together and see what the machine spits out and there it is freddie freeman your best hitter of 2020 not just based on rate stats but also based on the cumulative stats and over on this side, I have my Silver Slugger awards, including my National League MVP, which goes to Freddie Freeman, and AL MVP, which goes to DJ LeMahieu for some reason. But, I mean, as you can see, LeMahieu was the best uh, hitter, according to my little table here, in the American League. And I also misspelled his name. It's a capital Amazon Mike. But here are my Silver Sluggers, which is catcher Salvador Perez, which I'm pretty sure Sean wants to share his thoughts on that really quick. Salvador Perez, uh, I've been championing him. All off season long at the beginning, remember, remember, and I, I, I also <laughs> yes, I, I remind me one more time, Felipe. <laughs> Salvador Perez was the catcher to get uh, in fantasy leagues because he plays every day. It's just simple. It's just simple. You show up, showing up is half the battle, Sean. And yeah, I know he, you know, he sucks or he doesn't hit the ball well or he's too impatient, whatever. But he, he's, he shows up, man. That's all you need. And uh, so, and the numbers show that he was the best hitting catcher. Uh, and we'll get to that spreadsheet in a little bit. Uh, Freddie Freeman, the best first baseman in terms of this table here. DJ LeMahieu, I already mentioned. Trey Turner, which we mentioned at nauseum in the base running uh, data. Jose Ramirez, who you are a big fan of, and uh, he's in our I, mock. I, in those three drafts I'm in, two of the first two I was in, uh, a 20-teamer and a 30-teamer. I got Jose Ramirez in both. And then in the 12 by our 12-team dynasty, I had the, I believe, 10th overall pick. And I could have gotten Jose Ramirez. And I said, I swear to God, if I have to pick Jose Ramirez one more time, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. And so I picked Christian Yelich instead because Yelich had actually fallen to me at 10. 
And I started a dynasty with Christian Yelich and Garrett Cole, which I could not be happier about. Uh, but yes, I am a huge fan of Jose Ramirez, but I'm just get, kind of getting sick of him. He was in our uh, writer <laughs> mock draft. It's like, have you ever, it's like if you eat too much ice cream, it's, yeah. uh, Jose Ramirez is ice cream. <laughs> but you, if you pick Jose Ramirez over Christian Yelich and his gimpy knee, I don't even know if he's 100% healthy. And, you know, the other thing up against Christian Yelich is he's left-handed. So, hey, uh, you, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I prefer that. I, I welcome problems. But no, Salvador Perez, we, we didn't really finish that thought. This is before, a guy before who... Before we... Hold on. Hold uh, that thought. Hold that uh, thought. Hold that thought. Patience, my grass, young grasshopper <laughs> over there. Because we do have a sheet for catchers. I want to. I want to. I want the people to look at it. But okay. I want to. Okay. Marcelo Zuna's bounce back year with the Atlanta Braves. Gonna make so him a lot he, of money. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he better because he deserved I, it. I saw someone that you know the there was a report today that National League is probably it's going to be eventual. They're getting the DH this year more than likely. Ooh. And um, but I also saw one of my. Uh, Red Sox fans who was also they named the top three teams from our writers mock and he was voted by the uh, users of the mock draft to have the number one team and that's a uh, Dev Jake on Twitter you can find him over there that is his Twitter handle Jake DeVro he's a Red Sox fan and he posted an article that Marcelo Zuna would be a good fit for the Red Sox and I had this instant epiphany that Marcelo Zuna is just Manny Ramirez I mean, they're both wild. I mean, can you? I, I could totally imagine Manny Ramirez like taking a, a fake selfie while rounding the bases. I could see that, and I, I think Marcelo Zuna to uh, Boston makes sense, and he needs to wear Manny Ramirez's number. And I'm starting the petition for that now. All right, <laughs> we'll see if that comes true. Uh, Juan Soto is the other outfielder who we just talked about. Um, I'm a big fan. Mike Trout. Duh. What's a what's an outfield list without Mike Trout in it, right? Yeah. And finally, our DH slash utility spot goes to Jose Abreu, which would make Ricky, who's our White Sox fan here, listening in. He's kind of mad at us for not putting in uh, Jose Abreu for MVP. But uh, hey, he got the Silver Slugger as a DH here. So, all right, here we go. Best hitting catcher. Let me make this a little bit bigger. Oh. This is how it broke down because oh, John is mad. Bre- let's, let's break some knuckles. I'm ready to go. Come on. Let's As go. As you can see, Will Smith was winning. Yeah, Will Smith he is the best hitting catcher in the league. Thank you. He got jiggy with it. Yeah. Next. And next. then <laughs> this happened. You know why that happened? Because he's a part timer. All right. And he was hurt. He 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 missed two weeks. He he was on the aisle. Our right. deal. Well, there you go. It's oh, a well. oh, come on. Oh well. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, no. You, you continue. I was just saying, come on. You, you can't hate oh. him for that. It's a short well, season, I mean, and he's a catcher. I mean, it's twenty twenty best hitting catcher, not. You know, moving forward, who's going to be the best part-time <laughs> catcher in the future? And best I say part-time, part-time catcher because they're all part-timers. This right here, he's the only one who plays day in and day out when he's not going through Tommy John surgery. But okay. he's the guy. He, he right played thirty. He played thirty-seven games out of sixty. Okay, but then how did he get these accumulating stats? He had a hell of a season, and when he is healthy, he plays. He's iron. He's built like a freaking horse, man. Okay, like an iron horse. I, 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 he, he posted five hundred plus plate appearances. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive seasons. So I will concede that. You showing up is half the battle. And I, I like <laughs> and other catchers worth noting. Darno, who he's always finds a way to get on my fantasy team at the end of the season anyway. JT Ramilto, who I've been pushing you to convince the Mets to sign for the Mets so the Mets can go into the playoffs finally. 
Uh, no. Your guy Sean Murphy's in there. Yeah, hey, I like I like Sean Murphy. Wilson Contreras and uh, this scrub right here from the Red Sox also made it for some. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got counting stats. Yeah, he had a uh, like a two or three home run game against the Mets. I think it yeah. was two home <laughs> runs in a game and three ho- uh, home runs for the entire series or four home runs for the entire series. Yeah, he and then that I don't probably didn't hit a home run the rest of the season. Uh, you're welcome, Christian Vasquez. The Mets. Um, that was your That's Christmas gift. That was Top your Christmas eight. gift. Yeah. So yeah, this is why Salvador Perez he he just squeaked by uh, by by a two point margin. So it could have gone either way, but uh, no, uh, you know, okay. go ahead and tell me why Will Smith's the best guy hitting catcher right now. No, I don't need to tell you why Will Smith is good. You just need to look at his numbers to see why he is good. I am here to tell you why Salvador Perez is not the best hitting catcher in baseball. So yes, on the surface, he had a fantastic year. 333, 353, 633 slugging. It was good for a 162 weighted runs created plus. That means he was 62% better than league average. There's a slight issue here. One, it came with his, he's never been a guy that walks. He's always been a hacker. Uh, But even by his own standards, he had a 1.9 walk percentage, which was the lowest of his career. The only other time he's been that low was 2.4 in 2015. And his entire career up to 2020, he had a 3.5 walk percentage. And then strikeout percentage, like I said, he's been a hacker, but he does make pretty good consistent contact. Um, A below or above average 16% strikeout percentage that this year went up to 23.1%. So started making less contact and whiffing more. Now, he's always been someone who, like I said, hacks but makes hard contact. This year was no different. He had actually a slightly lower average exit velocity than he did in 2018, which was his last full season. In 2018, he had a 91.2 average exit velocity. This year, 91 miles per hour. That's that's a great number. I'm not kudos to him. He, you you hit the ball hard. This is where I do have an issue. For his entire career, his uh, up until 2020, he was a 266, 297, 442 hitter. In a categories league, okay, that makes sense. 266 average with pop, that works. In a points league, OBP league, no thanks. That That's actually for his career before 2020. He had a 97 weighted runs created plus, meaning he was 3% worse than league average. From 2017 to 2018, that was over 340 games. He had a 1.8 war. And in 37 games in 2020, he posts a 1.9 war. You're telling me you buy that? And if you don't, and if you don't buy it yet, for his career before 2020, he had a 283 BABIP. Of course, that comes from him being slow as hell. Um, in 2020, Felipe, he had a 375 BABIP, a hundred, almost 100 points higher than his career average before 2020. This isn't happening. This is not real. Oh, it's real divert, right here, man. Divert, di- divert your eyes. It's not real. It's real. Look, he's in a, he's in a full season. Among, no, in a full season, among, it comes well, there down. Wasn't a, it was a full season. 60 games oh. is a full season in 2020. <laughs> in 2020, it was. And that's what it is. It's the 2020 best hitting catchers, not the best hitting catchers of the last three years. And yes, you're preaching to the freaking choir. <laughs> I was a big anti-Salvador Perez fan for a long time. But then this year, something Then you changed. drank the Kool-Aid. Then you drank the you know, Kool-Aid. No, you know what changed? I got tired of all these part-time catchers. They're all part-time catchers. All of these guys are, except for JT Realmuto. 
and Travis Darno, he's splitting time with Tyler Flowers. Are you kidding me? Will Smith has to give up games to Austin Barnes? No, man. No, I don't think so. And like I said, for all the reasons you mentioned, especially the plate discipline issues, that's why I, I always avoided Salvador Perez. But this, coming into the season, showing up is half the battle. If you can give me a guy who has proven to play a lot. Of, now he's getting older, so it, I expect that number to dip. But for this 2020 season, if this was a full season and he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and he's going to be better than, you know, whatever, then, yeah, give him to me. Because he's going to show up. Yeah, he's going to hurt my on-base percentage, which he didn't this year, by the way. But, yeah, and normally he is going to hurt my on-base percentage, but not this year. Not, not this, this year. year. Not <laughs> well, this year. Maybe next year, yeah, maybe next year. And that I'll adjust my rankings, therefore. But for 2020, Salvador Perez did prove his worth. I guess. I, I'd, I guess. Also, I'd also like to point out that before 2020, his career home run to fly ball percentage, uh, which <laughs> any is usually between, you know, on average 12 to 15 percent. It's getting higher as more people consistently launch the ball. It used to be around 10%, but it's now about 12 to 15. His career average was 11.9, perfectly average. You know, that makes you believe his home run numbers. Uh, This year, uh, over double, 25.6 percentage, which isn't the highest you'll see. But for someone who averaged half that for his entire career, I don't buy it. Yes, he was good this year, but I do not buy it and I will not buy it. All right. Well, we'll we'll worry about that for next year. But for 2020, (laughs) based on these advanced metrics from Fangraphs, Fresh Prince was better. Well, not according to the Fangraphs numbers. (laughs) Not according to your combination of the Fangraphs numbers. Maybe he didn't have to give up at paid appearances to Austin Barnes. You know, maybe he would be up there number one, but he doesn't. He has to give up. Yeah, I was about to say, if we take away the counting stat. (laughs) Oh yeah, the same thing with Juan Soto, right? We did the same, but we we didn't. That's I added the. Cumulative stats, and this is the results. Anyway, do you have any silver slugger? Does your silver slugger list catcher, catcher, Will Smith? This is all off the top of my head. So if I forget somebody, I'm sorry. All right. Well, are you going to be able to fill out the rest of the? Yes, I I can fill out the whole thing. All right. Let's go. So catcher, Will Smith, rapper, Will Smith from first base, Freddie Freeman. Okay. So that's the same. Second base is going to be DJ LeMahieu again. All righty. We're actually so going to be very similar here. Uh, infield, infield's actually the same. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. In, infield is the same. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you know that. And then outfield is going to be Uno Memento. Well, I orient myself. Juan Soto. We have that in common. Yes. Mike Trout. Yes. And then just because I want to ruffle some feathers here. Okay. Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I mean, he's he's right there. I mean, oh, yeah. he's not right there. Where is he on my list? He's not on my list. Wow. Okay. Oh, there he is. Number 13, 12, 10. I don't know he's how he couldn't have been on your WRC Plus because he had a 159, which was sixth. So um, there, uh, there, well, there might have been an error somewhere. Oh, that that's all of it. Oh, that, that's total. That's not just outfield. Never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, he yeah, had a, a 159 which was really, really good. Uh, had the 30% strikeout rate and the 250 average, which I'm sure worries some people. But the increased walk rate, increased power production was actually his best offensive year to date. Uh, I, I was going to mention Jose Ramirez took the last slot in the WRC Plus department. Uh, you know, and the other thing was Acuna missed some time at the end as well. So yes, he, for only he 46 games. Yeah. He missed that on the cumulative stats. So, I mean, it was 
maybe maybe I was going by fast, but I mean, I saw that Jose Ramirez got the last spot in the WRC plus. So if you're telling me he's 159, what did Jose Ramirez get? Jose Ramirez. Let me go to. I was on purely outfield. I'm sorry. Let me pull up right. third base and 163. So just 4% behind. All right. Well, there's your answer. Do you have a, do you have a utility spot for me here? Marcelo Zuna. I, I want to go right. Dominic Smith to give him a shout out. It was very close between those two. Um, don't, hey, I give him enough shout outs in this show. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Save my season this year. I didn't win anything, but you know. You know what it was, why I like Dominic Smith so much, Sean, is because he justified me not drafting a first baseman highly, you know. So there you go. Uh, do you have an MVP you you want to mention right now? Uh, NL MVP, I, I know it's going to be Freddie Freeman, but my, if I had a vote, I would have actually picked Juan Soto. And what I, about... I think I think if the Nationals went to the playoffs, he would yeah. have been the shoo-in for MVP. What about the AL? Uh, AL, I believe it's going to be Jose Ramirez. It should be Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Abreu is going to get votes, but Jose Ramirez should win it. He might not, but he should. Yeah, and I selfishly only went by the numbers here, but I should have gone with Jose Ramirez and should would I should have used a, a a host uh, privilege here and just gone with Jose Ramirez because yeah, his <laughs> team actually made the playoffs and was relevant. And well, I guess the Yankees made the playoffs too, but okay. Whatever. Yeah, and Jose Abreu made the playoffs as well, and he's another finalist. Yeah, there you go. All right, there. That should make Ricky a little bit happier down there. He's mad, he's mad at me because I did not name Jose Abreu. Um, I I don't know if Ricky knows that I'm also a White Sox fan and a Cubs fan. I'm wearing the Cubs for today, so <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the anger that he has towards me right now. Well, well maybe he'll tell me. He'll, he'll he's gonna let me know like in five minutes because we're not delay here. All right, starting pitching, Sean. We're we're making some uh, headwind right here. We're getting there. This should be fast and furiously easy. I mean, Shane Bieber just. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. He's the Ty Dillinger, another wrestling reference. He's the Ty Dillinger of, uh, of this spreadsheet. He, he, he killed it. Yeah. He killed everybody else. So Shane Bieber was the best pitcher in all of baseball this year. So let's forget about all that. And let's go on to my starting rotation, which I'm pretty sure you're going to share your rotation as well. But in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and just make some adjustments and wait for you to give me the signal. But here's who I have as my starting rotation for the for 2020. And as you can see, Shane Bieber, number one. He's my ace for obvious reasons. Number one on my list, number one here. Jacob DeGrand, he's my NL Cy Young Award winner. Number one uh, NL pitcher based by the, uh, according to the numbers. And then you Darvish in the mid-rotation, Trevor Bauer at number four. Denelson Lamette sneaking in. And my spot starter, it couldn't have worked out better for me, Sean. As you can see right here, Kenta Maeda number six pitcher, Kenta Maeda, my number uh, spot starter there. He is the ultimate spot starting candidate and profile that you could have found in this wacky, crazy 2020 season. So I am very satisfied how these numbers played out for this list. What do you have for me? He, I just kind of want to continue your Kenta Maeda thought real fast. He was a guy who, if you listen to a lot of the, the really smart, crowd on twitter you know there's a lot of part smart people in the fantasy baseball industry right now and they're all very accessible on twitter and ken samaeda is a guy who they have been shouting from for a while now that you know he is better than his numbers he is better than what he looks and this was his breakout campaign he finally he got traded from los angeles you know his contract that he had signed with them when he came over um discouraged los angeles from utilizing him fully because he got paid the more money, the more appearances he made and so on and so forth. And so that, that's why he kept going to the bullpen and then 
back to starting, back to the bullpen, back to starting. But this year in Minnesota, he finally broke out. I am going to name my starting rotation utilizing uh, StatCast's expected ERA, which takes into account uh, their strikeout to walks, their batted ball contact, and many other factors. And it's, it's a really good metric that I like. Uh, n- coming in at number one was Trevor Bauer. He had a expected ERA almost half a run lower than the next person, which yeah. was Shane Bieber. Mm, former and, yes. And third was the GOAT, the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob deGrom, who at 32 is throwing harder and faster and is kind of reinventing the wheel here because that's not what we expected. Number four is Kenta Maeda, who we just talked about. And then five, Denelson Lamette. And number six is a name you were not expecting at all. Christian Javier Mm. of the Houston Astros. Uh, We've talked about him a little bit on this podcast. He is a guy that just, he misses bats. He had great batting average against and expected batting average against. So the, he he wasn't lucky. He didn't have low batting average against because of luck. It was, that's just how he pitches. And he had the, sixth lowest expected ERA. So I'm going to have him fill out our spot start. Uh, our only difference is you Darvish. You Darvish finished right at 10 with a 3.01 expected ERA, which was exactly one run higher than his real life ERA. So he was slightly lucky according uh, to this metric. And getting back to the Kenta Maeda, the only thing I didn't like about him was for, I think you mentioned it as well, that the twins were trying to uh, lower his uh, metrics or his stats from uh, accumulating because there was some kickers on his contract, right? Is yeah, I don't think Minnesota was – it was mainly Los, Los Angeles did that last year. This year, yeah. I, he pitched just about every day, and he's another one of those guys who this year it's uh, pitch mix changes. He threw his slider almost 39% of the time, his changeup 30% of the time, and his fastball sinker combination only 25.9% of the time. So he is throwing his best pitches more and more, which – is a trend we see across baseball yeah. and these guys are using it to great effect. And like I said, the, I liked them back in February, March. What I didn't like was the twins were talking about, Oh yeah. Eventually when some of these other pitchers come back, like Michael Pineda and uh, Rich Hill, Dick mountain, Rich Hill, come back. Uh, Kenta Maeda will go back to the bullpen. Like, no, 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 can't no. have that. Can't they have they that. did not trade Bruce Dark Gratterall to put Kenta Maeda in the bullpen. I, I like knew I said, he was, was starting from day one. That was enough to uh, sour for me, but I like Kenta Maeda. I just, just guarantee me that he'll be out there every five games. Yeah. Come on, you guys. So I have a, uh, we have a comment or question. Ricky is asking, do you think that DeGrom is going to win for the third, the Cy Young for the third time in a row, or is it going to be Bauer or Darvish this year? I mean, your I thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. I have him already at Jacob DeGrom. Oh, is oh okay. Oh, you have him winning. Finish. Okay. I was going to ask you, do you, do you want me, do you have your uh, AL and NL? Cy Young winner? I think Trevor Bauer is going to win it. I think DeGrom has a better case than people realize, but I think the kind of recency bias and the he's the big free agent, and I, I think Everybody's there's more there's more hype around Trevor Bauer right now than ever before. And then Shane Bieber, obviously, for AL, it's not even close. Um, but Jacob DeGrom, like you said, led the league in, or the National League in Fangraphs War. He was second to only Shane Bieber, and that was with missing, I believe, two starts. That's right. And he led the National League in strikeouts and missed a start or two. That that's that's impressive. I mean, it's really impressive. He has a, a better case than he should. If the voters take into account 
it could be his third potential Cy Young, then yes. If they look solely at 2020 and how great Trevor Bauer was, then I think Trevor Bauer is going to win. You, you never know the leanings of the writers. I also think Trevor Bauer and his personality might cost him some votes here. It, I know it's not supposed to, but we're yeah. all humans with our inherent biases and reasons for what we do. And Trevor Bauer could lose the Cy Young just because of who he is and how he is. We talked about it already. It's a popularity contest with the Gold Glove. It's a popularity contest with the with the Cy Young. At the very least, at least there's been a recent uh, trend where they've been using some of these advanced metrics for the Gold Glove, and they even have uh, some advanced metric awards yeah. for for defensive players as well. But Cy Young is still a popularity contest at a hundred percent. And uh, and I know Ricky's asking, you know, like how hmm, you you're weird because you're picking Jacob the Grump. Well, I mean. If I had a vote, I'd vote for him. You know, screw Trevor Bauer, whatever. <laughs> really, I would have never guessed that. I would have never guessed that. No, I would, I'm not voting for Trevor Bauer. But uh, you know what? We are going to talk about – this is like our fantasy world right here. Not just fantasy baseball, but the vacuum that Sean mentioned earlier today. This is the vacuum. This is based on the numbers. Jacob DeGrom, based on all the statistics I used, both traditional and the advanced stats, was better than Trevor Bauer. He was – that much better. Can 40, we, last can, I, I, I need that to be our thumbnail for the, our YouTube video, which if you are not catching us live or on any of our other audio only formats, you can catch Felipe and the hard, hard, hard work that he does to put into these spreadsheets. You can catch those on YouTube. Uh, we're under total basis podcast. And once you go there, you'll actually be able to see all of the life group podcasts, which they do an awesome job. Uh, Felipe, I'm sure we'll give you the schedules at the end of the show, but I just wanted to give them a shout out and our YouTube because where else can you get such great analytical insight in the best, most colorful spreadsheet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love color. I was going to make a joke about me listening to more Takashi six, nine and <laughs> That's it, it. it looks like his hair. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, and 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 right there is Mike Fires right there, you know. So oh. <laughs> both and you're, you're wrong but, for that. You're wrong. That. No, he he got some cheap points here for uh, he got a counting stat. Oh, the wins. Yeah, Mike Fires wins. Good for him. <laughs> Mike Four Fires. Uh, if this was 1976, Mike Fires would have won the uh, Cy Young. Obviously. Oh, easily. <laughs> easily. Well, yeah, and then but here's the thing. I mean, Michael Jordan rules, right? Last I checked, 43 points beats 26 points all the time. <laughs> so and that, that's, that's all I'm doing here. It's not 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 not, not to uh, ruffle any feathers. I mean, I'm just going with what the numbers are saying and what these numbers are saying. These are the numbers and against I his think. own hometown pick too. Uh, which one? Uh, you Darvish and, and Lucas Giolito as well. I, yeah. I, thought, I thought Ricky was going after me for Lucas Giolito for ranking so low on this list, but uh, and, and then picking Shane Beaver, you know, the, the White Sox rival. And then yeah, yeah, I went. I did, I even misspelled you Darvish's name. There's a missing H here. But um, yeah, I mean, you Darvish kept the closest here. And if if the ground would have faltered this season, I would have given it to you Darvish. But if the numbers are saying Jake uh, Jacob Degrom was better than Trevor Bauer, I mean, and, and even you Darvish was better than Trevor Bauer, so be it. But we'll get to the real. We are going to break down the real uh, Cy Young and MVP. But this, if I had a vote, this is who I would vote for, uh, to say the least. All right, let's move on to relief pitchers. Unless you got something else to tell me about. These starters. No, no, that's all right, it. Let's move on. All right, let's go move on to relief pitchers. And we talk about relief pitchers all the freaking time here. It's like we, we might as well call our, our show relief pitcher basis or whatever. Uh, <laughs> got a few things I want to show off here because, uh, you know, I, I didn't do these spreadsheets just for fun. Actually, I did. These, this is the way I, I, made, <laughs> I, I have fun. 
Uh, holds and saves is, is one that I wanted to uh, highlight because, uh, you know, we are in a holds league as well. So Brad Hand uh, got the saves category and Jake Diekman got the holds category. And Jake Diekman was a player I had and he helped me. And I noticed that I started losing when I dropped him because I thought he was uh, that the bottom fell off of him. But there you are. There's your holds leader and your saves leader. The four by five heroes, I like to call them. And this is, uh, again, more of a fantasy baseball thing than anything. And this is saves, ERA, whip, and strikeouts. So these categories right here. Devin Williams. Wait, you're telling me Devin Williams finished that high without one save? Yep. Wow. Wow. Wow is right. Wow. That is shocking. That is absolutely shocking. And these aren't the advanced numbers at all these are traditional numbers so yes. traditionally speaking he was but and he's just a rookie too traditionally, traditionally speaking he was the best relief pitcher out there and, 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 what, were, and what were those stats for you again or for uh, the, uh, the listeners in the four by five saves, saves era whip and strikeouts this is traditional so it's uh, not even counting the the four wins or the nine holds that he got which on their own are valuable in category leagues if you have wins and holds so he did all of that without those four wins and nine holds oh my gosh that yeah. is crazy and if you want to get going, I did. Oh, I forgot to mention that's part of the figures here that I use for the uh, best the best starting pitcher is, uh, well, it's going to be different for best relief pitcher. But for best starting pitcher, I used, uh, let's go back to it really quick. I used strikeouts, F4, so two cumulative stats, uh, FIP, which is uh, field independent pitching, which we talked about before, but basically strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Those are the things that pitchers can control. XFIP, which is the same as FIP, but they account for league average in the home runs, right? Right. Yes. And Sierra accounts for league average batted balls. All right. And as you can see, Shane Bieber swept this category. I mean, he got the perfect score, 50 out of 50. <laughs> the perfect score and best relief pitcher would have been, because we're using one, two, three, four, five, six categories would have been 60. 60 out of 60. He got close, 53 out of 60. And it's because he didn't get enough uh, saves and holds this year. Why? Because the Brewers just utilized them liberally and it didn't matter what situation. Whenever the Brewers were in trouble, here comes Devin Williams. And he got the, allowed, he got the Josh Hader treatment from two years ago, from, from 2018. And that allowed Josh yeah. Hader to be the closer. Yeah. Uh, exclusively. And now now if Josh Hader be, gets traded, does Devin Williams become the closer, a la Josh Hader, or do they turn to somebody else? Either way, that's a question we always worried about with Josh Hader, but it's a question that you as a fantasy owner and just as a baseball fan shouldn't worry about. You, you shouldn't grade Devin Williams' effectiveness based on how many saves he gets. You should judge his effectiveness on how effective he is. And the, every single number literally says he was the best relief pitcher in baseball. And Felipe's algorithm here just sh- goes to show how much better he was than everybody else. He led the league among relief pitchers. 18 innings pitch minimum min- was the minimum. He led in strikeouts along with J- James Karinczyk, which is another player we like to talk about on this show. Yes. All the players who we talk about on this show, they're proving their worth. They're rising to the top. The cream always rises to the top. And if we mention them on this show, you better be listening. It's like, it's a stupid thing, right? We tell we're in terms of fantasy baseball, we tell you who we're going to, who we're looking at, who we're going to pick up on waivers, who we're looking to trade, who we're looking to draft. And, and it's just shocking that we're in, in this league with all the, with 10 other people. And we get away with being the number one, number two team. Now we didn't win the championship, but you know, if this was like, you know, Spanish league rules where in soccer, where you just, the best we weren't getting league. relegated. That's important. We weren't going to get relegated. We, we, <laughs> we would have been neck and neck for that uh, last game of the season to win the championship, but there is a playoff uh, aspect to it. And, you know, we fell short for the last two weeks, but either regardless, Devin Williams is the goods. Now I know he got hurt. Didn't he? I, I thought there was an arm issue with him. 
Wasn't uh, he, right at the end of the year, and I think it was his oblique rather than arm. Oh, he's fine. Yeah, then he'll be fine for next year too. Uh, and Liam Hendricks uh, is the number two guy here, along with our guy James Karinchik and Brad Hand. Basically, got here because of the saves. So whatever. I, I'm not a big fan. He got dropped by the what's his face, the Cleveland Indians, for a reason. So, and here is my bullpen. A lightning, quick lightning round here. Uh, Liam Hendricks is my closer for obvious reasons. I mean, the yeah. White Sox, as a White Sox fan, I saw that firsthand. I mean, he shut down the White Sox, closer or non closer. I mean, yeah, he he is the closer for 2020. I should probably put that down. 2020 bullpen. Devin Williams, who's my Lerpa, which is which is a uh, kind of a new role. Which I don't know if they're still using. It. I know Brian Kenny was using it a while back on the I think it was on the Athletic or some other website. Late inning relief pitching assassin, which kind of <laughs> I use it. And I like that. I like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if they use it, but yeah, if I'm in trouble, I'm I'm getting Devin Williams and James Karen checking my uh, out of my 2020 bullpen. Here's my left-handed setup, Brad Hand, which I'm kind of hesitant to put him up, but he did score high on this list here, so I'll put him on my, as my left-handed setup. Right-handed setup is Edwin Diaz or Diaz, I should say. Well, I don't know why I said Diaz. <laughs> uh, and then you got these three middle relief pitchers and Jake McGee, Tyler Duffy, Victor Gonzalez. Uh, these two guys won the World Series for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then long relief, Mike Myers, who was among the league leaders in innings pitch among bullpen arms. Do you have a list for me here, Sean? Uh, no, I, I don't have a list for you, but I just have one question as in, uh, is the omission of Nick Anderson intentional? No, I mean, he didn't show up. Okay. He's nowhere to be found. I, I do know he had a slight injury issue, so he didn't pitch as much. Uh, so that yeah, I was just right. wondering. Because no, I, that, that, I mean, that, 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 that was one of the best bullpens in baseball, and there's not one there. Granted, the Tampa bullpen for how great it is, is more of one of those, it's all of the pieces put together than just one great guy. I mean, Nick Anderson is great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, he only had 16 innings, but he was, um, had a 1.0 war, which was sixth highest. So maybe, maybe he didn't have enough innings to qualify for your list. I believe that was probably it. It could have been anything. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't looking for certain players. I just, whatever the numbers spit it out and this is the minimum requirements. Then that's what I, that's what I got. Uh-huh. And Devin Williams was at the very top end. Okay. And so I mean, yeah, numbers- yeah, yeah he, he definitely would have been first, uh, but you have a lot of the guys that I would have picked um, some names that you didn't mention that I like going into next year and had great years this year that were overshadowed. Uh, Freddie Peralta, the kind of swingman role for uh, yep. Milwaukee. Jonathan Hernandez is a name to keep an eye on. He kind of burst onto the scene. He didn't get too many saves, but he appeared in a lot of high leverage situations for the Texas Rangers. Uh, trying to think 10, here. What was that? Peralta's top 10. Well, tie for 10, but he's top 10. Okay, gotcha. So right outside the top 10. Uh, you, had, you, you added Nick Han- uh, Anderson for me. Uh, those are just a couple of guys that uh, I didn't see on your list that I, I would have definitely included as, you know, honorable mentions. Hernandez does show up on this list though. Somewhere. <laughs> or I, maybe I dreamt him. I don't know. Let me, let me type it up really quick. Hernandez. Mm. You oh, know, well, and, yeah. and then maybe guys uh, like Blake Trinan and Kenley Jansen, like kind of guys that, you know, not on your list, but had pretty good years. 
Yeah. Oh, and a roll is Chapman. How how could we frick? Uh, two two not enough uh, innings no, probably. No, yep. you know what was wrong with the roll is Chapman? Because Yankee fans were telling me this all the time. What was wrong with the roll is Chapman? Was that he was constantly in spring training so he, mode. He was in spring training mode. Spring training mode all the time, throwing ninety eight mile per hour fastballs, but he was in spring training mode. Yeah, only eleven point two innings, so did not qualify for your list. Only a point three WAR. Um, but yeah, you know another guy that probably could be argued for top bullpen arm, but just really? didn't pitch enough this year. Really quick, uh, yeah. He's asking. Uh, Ricky's asking about Holtz. There they are. Here's the. Here's how the Holtz came out. There's Jake Diekman, Sergio uh, Romo. Sergio Romo's on the list. So yeah, slider uh, machine Marshall for for the White Sox angle here. Uh, well, he didn't rank here, but he did rank on the best relief pitching uh, category here, which is uh, also tied for tenth with Freddie Peralta. So Evan Marshall, uh, he stepped up big when Aaron Bummer got hurt. So. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so that yeah. So Holtz was accounted for, and his the Holtz plus saves is right here. That's Brad Hand, Jake Diekman, and all them other guys. So yeah, man, I, I try to I try to do everything here. I, I you know Jack yeah, I, trade, I, I enjoyed it. This was really cool to look at. Uh, no, there's more, man. I got one more. I got oh, you got one more. more. Actually, three more rookie oh, no. hitters. Okay. Oh God, hit, hit the rookies. Let's go. Rapid fire Let's rookies. Go. Hey, that's in a that's a segment of ours. We'll bring it back next year for sure. Rapid fire rookies. Yeah, this is the uh, rapid fire rookies finale, and we got to talk about them. All right, well, here it is. Uh, I know uh, our guy Tyler, who's a big Pirates fan, mentioned how Kebrian Hayes should have won the uh, NL Rookie of the Year award, or he should be winning, and everybody laughed at him. But the numbers show, yeah, he might be right. I mean, he, he was a late bloomer, uh, he showed up very late, so there's a little bit of a what do you call it, a sample size issue. But hey, minimum requirements for me was 50 plate appearances, I do not discriminate. Here you are, Brian Hayes, torturing that ball. And there's our guy, Randy Arozarena, I always like to call him uh, rice sand or sand rice because arroz means rice and arena means sand. So <laughs> but, uh, what sounds better for you, sand rice or rice sand? Sand rice, right? Sand rice. Ricey sand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Sand rice. Sand rice is up there. Willie Castro, who I don't like, but he somehow showed up. Why? Because he shows up. <laughs> Alec Baum, uh, Baum, I should say, yes. Alec Baum, the third baseman from the Phillies, and Bobby Dalbeck and Kyle Lewis, who got out to a really good start. But here's how I do it. Consider this Keith Brian Hayes guy, my platinum rookie of the year award winner. And for AL, I, I would go with Randy Arozarena. And for the NL, I would go with Alec Baum. Uh, so there's that. Do you have a breakdown for me for rookies? No. Uh, for rookies, I'm going to select uh, Kyle Lewis in the AL. Uh, there he, he you show that he was probably the best and all of his stuff came from counting stats uh, yeah. I think he was great he was there all season and if the plate appearances wasn't such a low number his WRC plus rank would have been probably in that top eight uh and then for National League I it's between Alec Bohm and Jake Cronenworth um but I'm gonna go Alec Bohm okay yeah that makes sense I was kind of disappointed that I did not see Jake Cronenworth show up, but I, I think he might have been uh, penalized for playing too many games. Yeah, there he is, Jake Cronenworth, yeah. uh, tied for eighth on this list here. But hey, like I've been telling you all this year, he saved me at second base again, justifying me not going chasing after some of these other second basemen during the draft. Here are these rookie starting pitchers, four by five hero. You've mentioned this guy before, Tanner Hook. Yes, only made uh, three starts down the stretch. Uh, but he is this kind of tall, linky, sinker, slider guy, but he's had a big edge in his development. Uh, he started throwing a splitter more often, which helps him neutralize against lefties. 
I like his chances. I, I think he's one of those good pitchability guys. The stuff might not be the best. The velocity kind of ticks up towards 95 sometimes, but a good kind of, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for here. <laughs> uh, pitchability guy. I just said it. There we go. Yeah, there you go. In uh, the four by five heroes, this is just me accumulating these stats. Wins, ERA, whip, strikeouts. This are, this, we're missing saves, but who, who drafts a starting pitcher for saves, right? So this is a <laughs> Roto League thing here. Uh, who are we, the guy, Rays? <laughs> <laughs> my guy, Tony Gonsolin, uh, just missed the cut here, but we're going to give it to Tanner Hoek, the four by five hero of 2020. And overall rookie uh, starting pitcher of 2020. And again, this is the strikeouts, the F war, the FIP, the XFIP, the Sierra. These, these, these stats can be found on fan grabs. So uh, go check them out. And I was fearing that Keegan Aiken was going to win because I don't like any <laughs> real pitchers. But Tony Gonsolin, I like Tony Gonsolin. We talk about him all the time. The thing I don't like about him is that he plays for the Dodgers. And they're messing him up. It's like they're messing up with Julio Urias. And I don't know. It works. They won the championship. But I wish he could. Tony Gonsolin could be a more traditional five, six-inning pitch guy and not just, oh, well, today Walker Bueller's pitching, so Tony Gonsolin's going to pitch on the back end. Screw that. Get him <laughs> out there every five days for, for selfish reasons. So there it is. Any uh, – guy you want to talk about on this list or you have uh, someone I, I feel like uh Sixto Sanchez being so low is kind of maybe a possible oversight of only the the 10 inning minimum uh if you raise that to probably 25 it probably he ranks better so much like uh Kyle Lewis I think he's a guy who is probably one of the better rookie starting pitchers from 2020 there you go all right well uh Justice Sheffield who shows up as well he's been pitching from the very beginning and he shows up really high for some ungodly reason. So there you go. He, Maybe he wasn't it. terrible. He had an okay season. Right. He was, he improved, yeah. <laughs> which, which is a, it's a pretty low bar for him to improve upon, but he improved. All right. And finally, we finished this spreadsheet with the 2020 best rookie relief pitchers. There's the holds and saves, which uh, Ricky mentioned. Do you do holds? Yes, I do. I, I, as you can see, I only did top five for these rookies. Man, screw them, you know. Make it for next year, and I'll do the top ten for you guys. But you know, I didn't realize Tyler Rogers was a rookie. I know his brother has I, been in the league forever. I, I was going to say, I, is Stephon Crichton technically a rookie? Hey, whatever I know, he, says, that's what I want. Oh, okay. So they considered him st- in 2019. He appeared in 28 games with 30 innings. So we might need oh, to message Fangrass about that. Maybe no. Well, you know, I think you need um, 50. 50. Ah, uh... that's the problem there. But anyway, 50, 50 innings or 30 games or something like that, I think. Yeah. So there's uh, holes and saves, and that's keep that on, on, in mind. Here's a four by five hero uh, for relief pitchers, which is saves, ERA, web strikeouts, right? Because basically, you know, Devin Williams runs the show again. Yeah. I mean, he not just runs, he dominates. Everybody yeah. else is just looking up to him because he's their hero. And the, the more advanced stats, I mean, he killed it for, among the veterans. Yeah. He's going to kill it among the, it's not even fair. Yeah. There's James Kerenchek. Uh, any other season, James Krenchek would have been the darling of this list, but mm-hmm. Devin Williams just coming out of nowhere seems seemingly. And that's the these are that's the spreadsheets, man. Hope everybody enjoyed them. I love it. Now I I'm, I'm springing this on you kind of at the last second, but I know you love your punch and Judy hitters, right? <laughs> no, I don't. Yes, you love punch and Judy hitters. So I figured I would get an award named just for you, Felipe, and <sighs> these three guys. And I, I want your your thoughts on who was the best punch and Judy hitter. And these three guys had the highest expecting batting average 
while having some of the lowest exit velocity, average exit velocity numbers and hard hit numbers in the entire league. Now, the one with the highest expected batting average had a average exit velocity of 86.2, and that was Jose Iglesias, who posted the highest expected batting average in all of baseball. He had a 358 XBA. Nobody even came close, not even the GOAT Juan Soto. Now, the next two guys hit the ball slightly softer than uh, Jose Iglesias, which is what we all love to see, and that is David Fletcher. He had an 84.7 average exit velocity, but a 292 XBA. And this is a guy who back-to-back years has posted XBAs over 290. So you don't have to always hit the ball hard to hit to get base hits. And then third, my favorite and your own White Sox prodigy, Nick Madrigal had a 304 XBA and only an 84 mile per hour exit velocity. So that boy's, and he had exactly zero barrels in 96 batted balls. He barreled up zero of them, meaning none of them were hit 95 miles per hour at a launch angle between, I think, 12 and 25 degrees. So exactly zero. Uh, It is up to you, Felipe. I shall let you choose uh, who the best punch and Judy was. I know that's your favorite kind of hitter. What am I doing here? Am I just picking, pick, pick, pick which one you like the most? I guess Nick Madrigal by the Yay! Best Punch and Judy header. Congratulations, Nick Madrigal. Or as Blake Snow would call you, a slapdick prospect. Locally, uh, Jake Corningworth, right? Was was that the slapdick prospect? No, no, no. Xavier Edwards was the one who went from San Diego to Tampa Bay. All right. I'm I'm putting some comments here. Uh, uh, Worst uh, player of 2020 draft prep. (laughs) <laughs> and Nick Madrigal is so I was going to mention this uh, no no listen to this man so uh, locally here on the radio uh, the score 670 uh, the, the I, I think they're still affiliated with CBS Sports uh, they uh, Nick, Lawrence Holmes was talking about how he was watching Nick Madrigal uh, in spring training or something like that or watched him last year or whatever and he came up with the name nickname Slappy <laughs> So that's so what perfect. I call him too. Perfect. It's perfect for him. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of like, ugh, Nick Madrigal. There's things to like about Nick Madrigal. And then there's a lot more things that I don't like about Nick Madrigal. But I'm hoping that what people are telling me is that he'll start lining the ball out and start hitting the ball on a rope. And he showed some promises past year. But man, I don't know. I mean, he had I a just... 25% line drive percentage. That's awesome. All right. That's, that's, that's cool. That's a cool thing. Yeah. All right, all right. So there's that. Um, was there anything else you wanted to discuss? No, here? that was the, that was the last one I wanted to spring up on you because I just know that okay. you love punch and Judy hitters. Let's. Do you have the 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 real awards up? And let, let's get the people um, something else to talk about here. Can you uh, put? Do you still have those up or no? Yeah, I, I just I have the MLB article. I don't have them like on a list or anything. I'm sorry. That, that's fine. Let's <laughs> let's really. I want to. I, I have no idea. I have not seen because I've been in this world of the, the spreadsheet, so yeah. I don't even know who's really nominated for real. Uh, for for gold gloves at first base, you had Evan White and Anthony Rizzo. Uh, second base, Cesar Hernandez and Colton Wong. Shortstop, J.P. Crawford and Javier Baez. Third base. Converted catcher, I think this is the most impressive gold glove for me, is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who appeared both on your list and my list as one of the top third basemen. So congratulations to him. 
Uh, Nolan Arenado, pass. Alex Gordon, who was actually a terribly terrible defensively in 2020, uh, but it was his retirement year. And like we said, the gold glove is more of a popularity contest. And I think this one was like, have one for the road, Alex. This was his road gold glove. Some people have road beers. Alex Gordon gets a road gold glove as he walks out of Kauffman Stadium for the last time. And that National League winner was Tyler O'Neill. AL winner, Luis Robert. National League, Trent Grisham, uh, which is ironic as he was mainly traded out of Milwaukee after his big playoff blunder in the National League wildcard in 2019 in right field. Uh, and then right field, as we go and talk about it, Joey Gallo led the league, uh, led all outfielders in DRS. He won for the American League and Mookie Betts in right field. And then the catchers, Roberto Perez and Tucker Barnhart. Yay. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm not a lost, I'm not a lost cause here, you guys. Some of those players were on my list. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, let's go. Uh, uh, what, what do we have? What, what, traditionally speaking, what's the, the Silver, silver Slugger? No, let's skip that. Oh, okay. I think we talked about enough about that. Let's go with the uh, individual awards now. Um, starting with uh, managers, if you have that up there or, or whatever. Uh, managers, uh, it was right here. Um, that's rookie of the year. I'm not sure if they have it up. On, oh, here we go. Uh, Kevin Cash, Charlie Montoyo, and Rick Renteria, which is awkward seeing as he's no longer there. Um, for the American League and the National League, he was there. Uh, it was Tingler, Mattingly, and David Ross. Um, all right. Are, are we going to predict uh, who's going to win or should we just do who we, who we would vote for? Uh, let's just do who we would vote for. All right. So for me, uh, I have uh, I have Kevin Cash. I'm doing a makeshift uh, spreadsheet, so I want to okay. see how right we are here. So for I'm going to go with Kevin Cash in the American League and David Ross in the National League. Who do you have? I'm going Kevin Cash in the American League. I believe that one's too easy. In National yeah. League, I'm going to go Jace Tingler, the first-time manager. That Padres team did great, and um, he kept the ship steady, which is exactly what you want a manager to do. All right, that's that's good. Um, what's next on the docket there? Uh, MVP. Oh, all right. Who are the nominees? Uh, Mookie Betts in the, Nas- in the National League. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado. I'm going to pick Freddie Freeman. I think that's an easy one. And then in the American League, Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Ramirez. And Jose Ramirez is my pick. All righty. And then Cy Young, I think we we did, correct? Yeah, yeah, technically we did. No, but you know what? That was based on our list there that I created. Let's okay. let's go with the real. But let me let me do my picks really quick. Uh, okay. I want to be I want to be different. I, I think I want to get Mookie Vet Bet, the NL MVP, and you know I want to be a big fat homer about this. I'm gonna go with Jose Abreu. Okay. Uh, Ricky has Ricky has convinced me and shame <laughs> on me for not being a bigger White Sox fan. I am wearing my Cubs hat though, so that maybe that's part of the problem. But I'm gonna <laughs> go with uh, Jose Abreu there. Uh, and uh, hopefully he uh, years of being with, uh, with terrible White Sox teams finally, you know, pay off big time for him. What's next there? Uh, Cy Young. Let's go with the uh, Cy Young Award winners. So what American American League finalists: Shane Bieber, Kenta Maeda, and Hyunjin Ryu. Um, I'm pretty sure Shane Bieber is going to win this unanimously, and it's not going to even be close. I think that's a, a thirty to zero zero. Thirty uh, first place votes. That that's it. And uh, that's who I would pick as well, because I am a sane human being. 
Yeah, uh, same thing on this one. What about the National League? National League, Trevor Bauer, you Darvish, and Jacob DeGrom. <sighs> my heart says Jacob DeGrom. My head says Trevor Bauer. Yeah, Jacob, I, I, Jacob DeGrom is my vote. Jacob DeGrom is your vote. Uh, shit, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. I know we were talking about who we would vote for, but yeah, I think, like I said earlier, yes, I, we, I would vote for Jacob DeGrom, but I think. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You said Jacob Degrom as well, right? Yes. But I, I think we're in agreement that an acquiescence that there's a really good chance, a very good chance. I would put money on it that Trevor Bauer would yeah. win this thing. I, I agree. All right. And what's the, what's the last one? Is it Rookie of the Year now or? Uh, rookie of the Year finalists for American League: Christian Javier, Kyle Lewis, and Luis Robert. Ooh. <laughs> I think it's Kyle. <laughs> I, I think Javier came up too late. Uh, Kyle Lewis, I think, is the easy pick here. I'm going with Luis Robert. If I had a vote, I would vote for Luis Robert, and I'm hoping he wins. Uh, that, that, again, big time. I am contrary to popular belief. I could be a big homer when I have to be, but I am hoping that Luis Robert gets it, even though he did struggle late in the year. But uh, hopefully, the things that he did at the beginning and his defensive stuff that he does. I mean, he plays three outfield positions for the White Sox, man. That has to account for something. And who's in the National League over there? National League for Rookie of the Year is Jake Cronenworth, Devin Williams, and Alec Bohm. <laughs> Who'd you got? I think it's going to be Devin Williams. That is a murderer's role. I, I, they, they're all deserving. I mean, it, Devin Williams was historically good, and that is kind of what makes me lean towards uh, him. Uh, all right. I would go with Jake Cornerworth because he saved my fantasy baseball season. And that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. And uh, feel free over there. If you're still on the Facebook uh, listening, feel free to uh, tell us who you would vote for and who you think is going to win. Uh, Sean, you can't see it. I'm not sharing it because it's not very well formatted, but I, I did. I just went with um, our picks as to who we would vote for. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see uh, how true uh, the rest of the baseball writers are to our kind of thinking here. And uh, and that's pretty much it. That's all we had for you guys really quick. uh, We, Sean, you mentioned it before. We do have other podcasts in the life group network. Uh, Dong city is on tomorrow night and uh, followed by the step back on Wednesday night, uh, which I will be appearing as we're going to be previewing the 2020 NBA draft. I guarantee you there will be a spreadsheet. That I will be displaying throughout the show. Uh, so if you like the spreadsheets I put up here, go follow us on Ball is Life, the our leagues, our league, our group's basketball group, our network of basketball, uh, our network's basketball group is at Ball is Life. So join us there. Uh, and yes, I will be adding a link to the Facebook chat that, we, that is going on here. Uh, f- uh, Tuesdays and Fridays is usually the Audible at over at Football Life, where Matt and Randy are going to break down and preview. The NFL's action for what is it, week 10 now? Are we in week 10 coming up next week, I believe? Yes. And, Something like that. <laughs> and every Sunday, usually not in the afternoon, but every Sunday morning, we start your life group podcast right here at Baseball Life um, with a total basis podcast with Sean and I. Sean, any last words from you? I will see you next week, bud. And good luck on the step back. It's a. Uh... We had you know, during your absence, I had Jacob on the show and it was a lot of fun. So, and they do a great job over there. It's absolute, absolutely fantastic show. And I know you're going to hit them with the knowledge and bring the spreadsheets like you always do.
just to hype it up a little bit more, I am excited. Uh, I, I've been talking to those guys behind the scenes and they they looked, I, I already showed them a little bit of my spreadsheet and they're excited and they all have a little thing, a little bit of something that they're going to they're gonna bring to the table. You've seen Leon and Jacob sharing videos, scouting videos of these uh, upcoming prospects. So uh, it's going to be a good one. I am excited. I am, I can't wait. And I strongly urge if you guys are a big, you know, it's funny. We talk about prospects here. I'll be talking about prospects over there. If you guys are excited about the NBA draft, just I am and, 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 and whatnot, please join us there and, and give us a, a view and a follow. It's Sean. It's literally the only basketball podcast I listen to on a regular basis, uh, Jacob and Leon's podcast. And they're going to go every other week because of the off season, but uh, we might do something for the NBA draft. We haven't decided what we're going to do, but we might do something. So check us out over there. And that's all I have for you this week for Sean. I am Felipe. Catch us next week and make sure you follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, you name it. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you. Bye.